0: This is CrossCut Reports. I'm Sarah Bernard. Today, we're digging into the impacts of a controversial U.S. Supreme Court ruling, the one that granted a Colorado website designer a free speech exemption from anti-discrimination laws. Familiar challenge here, the question, whether businesses can refuse service to LGBTQ customers because doing so would violate the business owner's First Amendment rights. Supporters say this was a victory for free speech for all people, no matter their beliefs. But this case was hardly an isolated one. Just a few years ago, Washington's state Supreme Court ruled on a similar case involving a local flower shop. And these cases are part of a growing category of case law, driven largely by religious organizations targeting the LGBTQ community. So far, no judge in Washington state has granted any kind of exemption from anti-discrimination laws here. But now, as Crosscut reporter Mai Huang found, A lot of questions are getting raised about the tension between free speech and civil rights. As Mai reports, we're likely to see a lot more cases like this one that test the balance here. Whose rights get precedent? And whose freedom trumps whose? So Mai, recently the Supreme Court issued Another dramatic ruling, um, one of many in the past couple of years. A significant and sweeping decision, surprising many of us who have covered the court. This is
1: a landmark victory for all Americans, regardless of one's beliefs.
0: This is absolutely discrimination. You recently looked into the case and the impact that it could have on Washington State. So I was wondering if we could start at the beginning. Remind us briefly about this Supreme Court case. What is kind of the quick version of what happened and why Is this case so historic?
1: This case involves a website designer in Colorado named Lori Smith. Hello, I'm Lori Smith, owner of 303 Creative. And she claimed that as a Christian, that it would violate her freedom to live out her faith by designing wedding websites for same-sex couples. And so this case kind of went through the court because... It was a violation of Colorado's public accommodation law, which is a fancy way of saying you can't discriminate against protected classes when offering goods and services. So what the court found is that because they considered creating the website as an expressive activity, that she was creating speech and that under the First Amendment that you can't compel somebody to say something that they don't agree with.
0: What the court said today is that businesses, in some cases, can refuse to serve certain customers if doing so would force them to say something they don't want to say.
1: And that she had free speech protections. Whether your views on marriage are similar to mine or perhaps different, free speech is for everyone. What's significant about this case is that it's really the first Supreme Court case that really addressed the conflict between constitutional protections for free speech and then a constitutional reason to discriminate.
0: Justice Sonia Sotomayor, who was in the dissent with the uh, three liberal justices, said this is the first time in history, in her words, that the Supreme Court has granted a right to businesses open to the public to refuse to serve a member of a protected class. Right, which is, it feels really significant. There have been some similar cases in the recent past. Now, reaction is coming in to that major decision from the Supreme Court ruling in favor of a Colorado baker who refused on religious grounds to make a cake celebrating a same-sex wedding. But this is the first one that was really trying to take a stand on what free speech means. Just to be clear, the Supreme Court did not rule that the cake shop had the right to refuse service to a gay couple, the ruling that the baker was, that he didn't have a fair trial and shouldn't be punished. So they're going to have to come back and look at that subject Mm. later.
1: Yeah, and also whether they trump these public accommodation laws which were formed in the civil rights era these these laws were formed to create equality among people and so you know historically when there was like religious objections or other objections the courts generally said equity trumped everything else and now this is kind of an open door and i want to emphasize they they didn't go all the way they could have said this is a religious freedom issue and really like blown the door open like they did with like the Dobbs case for example that's something that the Supreme Court did not address in this particular ruling that is the broad ruling that a lot of LGBTQ advocates civil rights advocates are kind of fearing it's this broader decision because if if you bring in religious objection or religious freedom into it then that applies to all businesses not just expressive or free you know free speech
0: businesses Let's kind of dig into what that looks like in Washington state. What kind of impacts do you think this Supreme Court ruling might have on Washington state kind of immediately and maybe into the future?
1: So immediately, not much. Not much. And yes, because I have a statement from Attorney General Bob Ferguson. He says, The vast majority of Washington businesses selling goods and service other than custom designed products must still abide by the clear anti-discrimination mandates in our state. If they don't, my office will take action. So he does acknowledge that there is going to be a sector of businesses that will fall under this ruling, but he's going to enforce the law otherwise. So I think the situation is going to be is that he's going to just continue enforcing the law. And then the business is going to push the issue. So it's not like this case said that from there on in, like every business is doing expressive activity. So therefore, you know, they have free speech rights. Like this was a very targeted ruling towards this particular situation. So what's going to happen is, is that there's going to be additional cases that are going to test the ruling. So they're going to test to see if, XYZ business is doing an expressive activity and therefore has free speech protections, but it's not going to apply to everybody. Right now, we still have a state Supreme Court decision that makes it pretty clear that the anti-discrimination law in most cases still is like the top priority. The state Supreme Court has just upheld its decision in the case of Arlene's Flowers, a
0: Richland, Washington florist who refused to provide flowers for a same-sex wedding.
1: The Arlene Flowers case involving the Richland, that's in Southeast Washington, the Richland Flower Shop. We had a state Supreme Court decision that said, no, it's non-expressive activity, therefore you have to follow the Washington's public accommodation laws.
0: This is important. This means that sexual orientation is a protected class, just like race, just like religion, and other protected classes. So, uh, one way I talk about this is that... For me, I'm just thinking about this, and it just seems like it's still a little murky to me. Like, what is self-expression is kind of like saying, what is art? (laughs) Um, Attorney General Bob Ferguson is saying the vast majority of businesses it's not going to apply to them, um, and I'm still going to enforce the law. It just seems like maybe that's the case, but there's still a number, like quite a number of businesses that I can think of that would be, could be considered self-expression, right?
1: Yeah, so for example photography you know if you film a same-sex wedding are you expressing yourself there and um and that actually that's exactly why you're going to see all these legal cases so it's not a matter of if it's when when these legal cases go through the system they're going to test all sorts of things and so for example alliance defending freedom which is the group that represented um Arlene Flowers owner, uh, Baronel Stutzman, um, Lori Smith, the web designer, they pursued. This is this is their job. They represent different people across the U.S. to re- detest this precedent.
0: In courtrooms, legislatures, and the public square,
1: you'll find us on the front lines. This is why Alliance Defending Freedom exists. The senior counsel from that group, uh, John and Scruggs, maintains that. If Arlene Flowers re-litigated post this decision, it might have, they might have had a different outcome than the one they got. So, you know, the organization is gonna say, well, this is gonna apply to everybody. Like, you don't wanna force an atheist to do a website for like somebody that has a different belief that you don't agree with. The government should no more force Lori to speak against her beliefs about marriage than an LGBT website designer to speak contrary to her beliefs. Neither should a Muslim cake artist be forced to create a custom cake with a message criticizing Islam. But the thing is, is like if you look at the different cases the organization is pursuing, they're testing things that are mainly primarily aimed at the LGBTQ plus community. So, for example, the photography example, they are representing a photographer who does not want to shoot at same-sex weddings, and so that so so that's going to might test a case. Uh, another case they mentioned specifically to me was a Oregon mother who basically got turned down for foster care because she refused to abide by like gender equality issues, such as acknowledging their gender identity or you know their sexual orientation like for of the foster child. And so so yeah, so they're they're pursuing lots of different cases that are going to continue to to test this particular issue.
0: Yeah, and I think it's important to underscore like you you mentioned the Alliance Defending Freedom represents both the recent US Supreme Court case about the website and Arlene's Flowers and you mentioned all these other case law. I mean, I think that really points to what you report on which is that these cases are more than isolated incidents they're arguably part of a a larger movement over time
1: so these public accommodation laws these are not new laws right these public accommodation laws date back to the civil rights era of the 1950s and 60s but there were additions to these public accommodation laws in the 2000s and to the 2010s so in washington's case for example they added sexual orientation and gender identity in 2006 and these groups, these religious groups, are resisting these additions. And so that's why we're seeing this whole slew of cases over the last 10 years or so, because these are new additions to civil rights laws. And it could affect other protected classes, because if you put religious expression as, a, as an exception, then who's not to say you have religious objection to a person of color or something. So, I mean, it, this could be interpreted much more broadly in the future.
0: Yeah, yeah, it seems like it would get so broad so fast as soon as the religious objection was used in something like this. Like, anybody could say, oh, well, this is my belief system. And suddenly you have a right to discriminate against someone. Um, and, it, and it's just this incredible tension, you know, between, like, whose rights are more important, basically. Would you say that the Alliance Defending Freedom, do they identify as a Christian organization? Is that, is that something they say explicitly or, or not so much?
1: Yes. Um, if you look at their about page, it's, you know, ADF advances the God-given right to live and speak the truth. We contend for truth in law policy in the public square and equip the Alliance to do the same. And if you look at the CEO, uh, President and General Counsel Christian Wagner, There's a quote from her that says, ADF will walk boldly in the wind with resilience and with courage. We will do as we have done the hard things to which God has called us with the exception that he will accomplish his purposes. So, yes, it is very, it is Christian based.
0: ADF is one team, a part of a broader alliance. We are Christ centered. We are committed to selfless service and stewardship of our resources. Yeah, it just seems like... There's a really specific viewpoint and a specific agenda being advanced by all this case law. But you you mentioned, of course, you, you spoke with Alliance Defending Freedom Senior Counsel Jonathan Scruggs. And, yeah, I wonder if we could talk a little bit about what he was telling you about the argument that he would make in these situations around free speech. I mean, you report that he told you the real question is who do we want to decide what we can't or can't say? The First Amendment says it's better for each individual to decide. And I was curious if he, in your conversation with him, he gave any room for nuance there. Did he ever indicate that there was any situation that he believed a court could intervene in?
1: No, I think it's pretty cut and dry here. He made it pretty clear that the government has no place to say what you can or cannot say. They're really trying to say it, make it sound like, well, this is this benefits everybody. This freedom of speech benefits everybody. I mean, the I think the the thing they're saying is public accommodation laws by adding like s- sexual orientation and adding these different protected classes have gone too far. That's the argument is that they've expanded the protected class too much, and because it infringes on free speech slash religious expression.
0: I mean, yeah, it's a it's a almost as if He's suggesting anyone should be able to say anything without repercussion. The court can't intervene to protect anyone. It just, it strikes me as quite extreme.
1: Yeah, I mean, definitely to those who are on the receiving end, it is extreme. It's very targeted towards sexual orientation and gender. I mean, it's just another, this is just another example of kind of this ongoing culture war on this issue.
0: Just in the last year alone, Republican lawmakers have introduced
1: more than 500 anti-LGBTQ bills into state
0: legislatures. In the face of what many see as a growing tide of anti-LGBTQ rhetoric and legislation.
1: I mean, I grew up in an evangelical Christian household, and like that's my background. And so with these conversations, they date back, we're talking like 20 years, you know, focus on the family and all that
0: stuff. A healthy marriage and parents who are loving and concerned for the well-being of their children. That's what Focus on the Family is all about. We well, I'm curious about your children. upbringing now that I know that. I mean, do you think that people in your broader community would, would sort of agree with the work that Alliance Defending Freedom is doing?
1: Yeah, I think, yeah, they would. I mean, I, I mean, I, I was in the Southern Baptist congregation, so yeah, they definitely would definitely be like supportive of the Supreme Court rulings. I will say, though, that there is much more broader support for gay marriage in these communities. Even in conservative communities, it's a lot more complicated now because I think a lot more even conservatives have members of their communities or families, friends that are members of the LGBTQ you know plus community. I will add, I think it's important to emphasize that Christianity is not a monolith. So we're talking specifically about conservative Christians. I think that's really important to point out because if you kind of look at kind of the conversation outside of conservative Christianity or the religious right, I guess is uh, is another term we could use. They don't have that viewpoint. They're, they're not, you know, I've seen people from like divinity schools that don't agree with this at all. They, they, They have grave concerns about this. I came across an article when I was like researching, I don't mention the story, but it was something I read while I was doing the reporting for the story, was um, a piece by the Reverend Naomi Washington Leaphart, and she is a religion and public life government fellow at the Harvard Divinity School. So she makes this point in her report. She says, quote, The idea that the Supreme Court is friendly or friendlier to religion now seems to suggest that people think the only way to be religious is to be a conservative Christian, which is a particular kind of Christian. So I would say that these decisions are unhelpful even to Christians who don't share the same theological worldviews as some conservative evangelical Christians, unquote.
0: Hmm. Yeah. I mean, my perception of what's going on when you see particularly these organizations filing all these lawsuits or getting involved in all these lawsuits, it's a very specific worldview that's being advanced there. You mentioned a couple cases that Alliance Defending Freedom is working on. Are there other cases that you've come across in your reporting that people who are interested in or concerned about this issue should follow?
1: I think it's worth paying attention specifically to the ADF cases because this is something they've worked at for years, for a, de- a decade. Um, when you look at Baronella Stutzman from Arlene's Flowers, when she finally settled on her case and decided to drop the legal process, she mentions Drio 3 Creative. She says she's handing the legal torch to Lori Smith and Drio 3 Creative. So. So there's kind of a little community there of people and and ADF kind of creates this community of people who kind of advocate for these positions. And so that's why I think their cases are particularly significant because it's something they've definitely worked at over time.
0: Yeah, I mean, it just seems like this is an area of case law to really keep an eye on. It sounds like a lot is yet to come. I think what
1: it comes down to is that there is kind of what it does. And I think at this point, what it symbolizes, I think if if there's additional cases that look more much more broadly and saying, I have a religious objection to these laws, that's kind of the long term precedent reversal that we could be looking at as we see more of these cases go through the court system.
0: Thanks for listening to Crosscut Reports. This episode was reported by Mai Huang and produced by me, Sarah Bernard. The story editor was Steve Mullis. Our executive producer is Sarah Menzies. You can subscribe to Crosscut Reports wherever you listen. And whatever platform you're listening on, please review us. We'd love to know what you think of the show. Also, if you'd like to support the work we do at Crosscut, whether it's our lineup of podcasts, the video docuseries we stream every week, or the in-depth reporting we deliver every day, go to crosscut.com membership. In addition to supporting our journalism, members receive complete access to the on-demand programming of Seattle's PBS station, KCTS 9. For the latest political, environmental, and culture news from the Pacific Northwest, visit Crosscut.com. That's also where you'll find a text version of the story we discussed today. Crosscut Reports is a product of Cascade Public Media. I'm Sarah Bernard. We'll be back soon with another episode.